Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. In those days when there again was a great crowd without anything to eat, Jesus summoned the disciples and said, My heart is moved with pity for the crowd because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will collapse on the way. And some of them have come a great distance. His disciples answered him, Where can anyone get enough bread to satisfy them here in this deserted place? Still he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They replied, Seven. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to distribute. And they distributed them to the crowd. They also had a few fish. He said the blessing over them and ordered them distributed also. They ate and were satisfied. They picked up the fragments left over, seven baskets. There were about 4,000 people. He dismissed the crowd and got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. The Gospel of the Lord. After the Second Vatican Council in the early 60s, a lot changed in the Catholic Church, especially how we celebrate the Mass. For example, before Vatican II, the priest faced the high altar, which was always facing east, ad orientem. But after the Council, the priest turned around and faced the people. One priest friend of mine joked that the Mass had become a Catholic cooking show. You see the priest with the dishes on the table, mixing the water and the wine, reading from a book with the recipe, tasting his own cooking, and then giving it to those present to taste, and finally doing the dishes and cleaning up, until we return the following day for the next episode of The Catholic Cooking Show. Whenever I drop a little water into that cup of wine, I always want to say, BAM! Like Emerald Lagasse. More serious theologians complained that the Mass had lost the sense of sacrifice in order to highlight the sense of supper. Perhaps only those who experienced the pre-Vatican II Mass will fully know that loss of sacrifice as well as a loss of the sacred. But I disagree with them. I do not believe you have to choose between sacrifice on the one hand and supper on the other, but rather we always have both together. Good Catholic theology always tends toward both and rather than either or propositions. How, therefore, is the modern Vatican II Mass still a sacrifice, even though it certainly looks like a supper? Well, because every supper, not only the Mass, 
but every meal you cook at home begins with a sacrifice. Where did that medium rare steak come from on your plate, if not from the sacrifice of a steer on a farm? Where did that Cabernet Sauvignon wine originate, if not from the crucible of a wine press where millions of grapes gave their lives for our taste buds? Wine is poetically called the blood of the grape. From where do you think that warm roll that you butter found its way to the tip of your knife, if not by dying first? all those grains of wheat. Jesus said in John chapter 12, if a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it produces a great harvest. In other words, the death of the wheat, its sacrifice, is what makes our supper possible. There can never be a supper without an accompanying sacrifice. Not even the Catholic cooking show. In the gospel today, Jesus feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves. By the way, this is the second episode of feeding the multitudes with loaves and fish. The first one was two chapters earlier in Mark chapter 6, where Jesus feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. But if you examine each of these two miracles of multiplication of the loaves and fish carefully, you will hear a Eucharistic undertone to both of them. The use of four verbs at these two miraculous feedings. He took bread, he blessed bread, he broke bread, and he gave the bread are used also at the Last Supper. In other words, the gospel writers are drawing a clear line of connection, leaving spiritual breadcrumbs, you might say, as clues so we can find our way from these feedings to the food of the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of Jesus. And at the Last Supper, the original Catholic cooking show with Chef Jesus, the sacrifice was not only of a grain of wheat and the blood of the grape, but the supreme sacrifice of our Lord. And thus he declared, holding the unleavened bread, this is my body. And over the cup of wine he insisted, this is the cup of my blood. In other words, supper and sacrifice always go hand in hand at the Mass. The Eucharist is always both and and never either or. Indeed, it is the meeting of both heaven and earth, both time and eternity, both divinity and humanity. There is another sense of sacrifice at every supper that goes often overlooked. That is, the people who come to a supper must also offer a sacrifice. When you go to someone's home for supper, you should not show up empty-handed with nothing to offer. You should bring a bottle of wine or some flowers 
or bring a little housewarming gift. Even priests have to sing for our supper by leading the grace before meals. So too, when we come to Mass, we sacrifice an hour of our time. We donate a little of our attention. We offer a little of our love. We bring forward the bread and the wine together with a tithe of our money or goods. Every supper is inescapably always a sacrifice. Even after the Second Vatican Council turned the Mass into a Catholic cooking show, and everyone who comes to the supper must share in that sacrifice. That is why Jesus also said in John chapter 12, And when I am lifted up from the earth on the cross, I will draw everyone to myself. John adds, He said this indicating the kind of death he would die. And at every Mass, Jesus invites us to die a little with him. Praise to be Jesus Christ.